Welcome to the Nude Attitude, where we shatter the mirrored ceiling, worship our sexy selves, and talk about all things holy. This is a safe place where we will be throwing around confidence like confetti and applauding people flaunting their bodies no matter the size, color, gender, or ability. I'm your host, Madeline Gregg, and we're about to dive into the lady pond or whatever gender you prefer to sink into. So raise your glasses high and cheers to your slut side in this nude revolution. Breakers. What's okay. your name and what do you prefer to be called? Are we starting now? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're cute. Um, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I go by Mistress A. Okay. Um, what are your pronouns? She, her. Uh, what is your orient- sexual orientation? Uh, I'd say pansexual. What's your favorite position? I like to be on top. I used to hate it and now I love it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> what's the last porn that you watched? Oh, um, I actually was watching water sports. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just like who was, who, who was being, wait, how do you interpret this? <laughs> um, Who's getting peed on? <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing the peeing on is I usually watch like female. Yeah. Okay. On per- I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. Like, but like in my experience, I like to do the peeing on. I don't want to be peed on. So for sure. Um, what, <laughs> what's the most amount of sex? What's the most amount of people you've had sex with at one time? Only one. I'm kind of vanilla when it comes to that. Okay. Uh, what do you think your most attractive feature is? Oh, definitely my eyes. My eyes are like a mixture between blue and gray. Love that. What feature do you struggle to love the most? My toes. I have really long toes. Okay. That's not one I hear often. Uh, what feature do you notice in someone that you're attracted to first? Oh, um, I like when people are in charge, like there's something very sexy about like a person in charge. Like it's the confidence and it's just like, you know what you're doing and like you're there to get it done. Yes. I love that too. And how do you unwind? Oh, a really hot bubble bath with a really good sour beer. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I respect all of those. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm, I'm not even going to try to describe your profession. I'm just going to have you do that for me right now. Um, were well, we going off of like the sugar baby and the dominatrix? Okay. Yes. Um, well, traditionally I started into this as a sugar baby. Okay. Um, it was like a way to make money and I advocate very hard for sex work. Um, so it was like my way of dipping my toes into it. Um, and then I realized like, I didn't want to just have sex with strangers. Okay. Was uh, that what you were doing a lot with sugar babying? Actually, no, I didn't have sex with anyone as a sugar baby. Okay. Um, 
I found out for me, like having sex with people, I have to have a connection with them. Mm-hmm. I was having a hard time, like getting into the mind space of like, oh, like, let's just, I like totally thought I could do it. And then I was like, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. I'm glad you're not shallow. Like I am <laughs> because like, if I'm attracted to somebody, I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll sleep with them. I don't care. Yeah. But see the attractions there. That's enough connection for me. Mm, okay. Gotcha. Also sugar babying is like, I'm not very attracted to older men, like mm-hmm. 50 and older. And most of my clients were 50 and older. And like, just, I just couldn't get there. Yeah. I met a lot of incredible people, but um, I've always wanted to be a dominatrix because it was like a control thing. Yeah. I'm naturally submissive. So like to step into that dominating role was incredible. Plus it's like nobody knows you. So I got to play whatever character I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a couple people start asking me about that on like the sugar baby sites I was on. So I made my sugar baby site about being a dominatrix and I kind of just like dove into it. I love that. So, hmm. Okay. There's a lot of places we can go from that. <laughs> Ask me anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> AMA. Um, so do you want to talk about the pirate? power dynamic a little bit because a lot of people don't I mean I feel like if they've been listening to podcasts this far enough they understand what a dominatrix (laughs) is um but you said that you were naturally submissive right yeah which is like so I look at dominatrix a lot differently than I think most people understand like the stereotypical idea of it being Mm -hmm. um everyone thinks that like yeah I'm the dominating one I'm making the decisions but essentially I'm not making any decisions correct there's guidelines and things put in place. Mm-hmm. My job is to serve your needs, mm-hmm. your fantasies, your kinks, whatever it is you want. That's my job. Um, my job is more or less to just push those boundaries for you, but everything is done safely. Yes. And my role really is dominating, but it's also like, I'm not in control essentially. You just no, think you're absolutely not. It's so true that a submissive has virtually all the control. Um, because there's like very strict guidelines, especially when you're going into BDSM about what can and can't happen, like what's kind of the gray area. Um, and it's just kind of up to you to decide when it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like you make the timeline. I always like to think of it as like the, the client is like the director of the movie Mm -hmm. and I'm like the star actress. Okay. The actor. Um, yeah. So like, like you think the show is all about me, but it's really about you because you made the show. Yeah. So you wrote the script at least. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, so what was, I guess your reasoning for being in sugar babying was just to explore yourself. How? Honestly, it was for the money at first. I feel like everybody gets into it for that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is easy money. And like, I like knew I was capable of like doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, it was like to explore like that dominating side, because like when I'm in like a relationship or having sex with someone intimately, I'm very submissive. I don't want to be dominating, mm-hmm. but there's a part of me that like, I have that urge to dominate. Yeah. I think that's so interesting because like me personally, when I, I mean, I'm a very dominant person, like outside of the bedroom I make all the decisions. I basically, I, <laughs> I basically run the household. I'm a stay-at-home yeah. mom. Uh, well, other than, you know, hosting this podcast, but like, it's, 
it's my job to make decisions and like be a go-getter and basically all of that. But it's like, once I take my clothes off and I'm in the sheets, I'm just like, do no, no decisions. I don't want, I don't want any part of it. Um, do with me as you will crush my pelvis, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so let's talk about your hard limits. What are some of your hard limits that you've discovered being a dominatrix? Oh, um, so there's a kink called, um, I might butcher some of these. I'm still like new with all the terminology. Um, it's, I think bathroom worship or toilet worship. It's literally you going bathroom in someone's face, mouth, or body. Okay. Um, I'm okay with water sports. I'll pee on anyone, whatever. I just don't want to poop on anybody and I don't want to see someone consume my poop. Yeah. I just, it's a hard, That'd probably be my hard limit too. <laughs> yeah. I had one person ask me to do that. And I was like, uh, you know, I'm super over-minded, but like, this is just where I draw the limit. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a bunch of diseases. Yeah. Like it's just not healthy for you. Like at least peace. Yeah, I, I'm really worried about your health and your well-being. So yeah, I'm like, going to say no. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, I don't think I have enough insurance or like anything to cover this when you decide to come after me. Right. I, yeah, yeah no exactly. Thanks. Do you have any Um, others? I'm not a fan. I've only been asked this once. Um, There was a guy that wanted like to be cut. Okay. Like paper cuts though. And I'm like, Hmm. I'm all about pain. Um, They were like, I think they were trying to introduce into that. They like starting somewhere small. Uh Um, And I've just... Uh, like periods, like blood for periods and stuff doesn't bother me, but like, I don't want to cut you open. I don't, I'd rather whip you. I'm not going to cut you. <laughs> yeah. So do you play with any, um, blood, fuck, what's it called? Blood drawing toys? Mm-mm, no. Okay. No, I, I kind of stay away from anything that like, um, that would like puncture the skin. Mm-hmm. So like um, not whipping enough to draw blood. I haven't gotten there. Okay. I haven't had a client that has left yeah, me. It's today. a gateway. <laughs> yeah. Um, what other limits? Let's see. Certain breath play, I won't do. Okay. Um, I won't put a plastic bag over your head, no matter how much you beg me. Yeah. That That's happen. like, I'm all like, I understand the like passing out thing. Like I'm totally into that in my own sexual yeah. world. Um, but I think breath play when it becomes like putting bags on people's heads and stuff is just can be really unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, no judgment to people that do it. I just think you need to be with someone who's like super confident and experienced in it. And if I'm not feeling confident in something, then it's usually a no for me. Yeah. You also don't want to like say that you're going to do something and you're like, well, this is the first time I'm doing it without any knowledge. Like yeah. <laughs> best of luck. Like, sorry if you pass out and don't wake up. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> do you have a will? Yeah. am I on it um <laughs> what are what are things that people request the most honestly a lot of my clients seem to and I don't know if it's like an a, attraction kind of thing like an energy thing since like I wouldn't consider myself a pro mm-hmm. so I consider myself still new um I attract a lot of new people who have no experience in it okay um I attract a lot of men who want to get rid of that toxic masculinity idea and like be able to release things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I seem to draw on a lot of people who want to be um, like put down and shamed. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's the terminology for it? I forget what it's called. It's okay. um, yeah, but they want, they want like, they want, they literally want like mental abuse in a sense, but like, I'm very like borderline about it. Sometimes. They want a demeaning nature. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, so how do people find you? <laughs> how do people find you? How, how do you go about like selling this um, art? Um, so I still use my, like, I have a sugar baby account. There's a, and anyone wants to check it out. There's a, a site called Seeking Arrangements. Uh-huh. Um, you make a profile in there. And I literally just put in my profile that I'm a dominatrix and like, don't bother messaging me unless this is what you're looking for. Oh, so you, you put it out there like very quickly. Straight out there. I'm yeah. like straight, like I cut through all the bullshit. Like this is where we are. Yeah. But it's worked out. So I haven't needed to go to any other sites or do anything. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so how are you on the internet versus in person? Are you pretty like much the same thing because you have to be very clear what's acceptable? Um, are you talking about just like personality in general? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I could relate a lot to what you're saying is like, I was a stay at home mom for four years, uh, married. I made all the decisions, uh, mm-hmm. I'm now divorced, um, but when I was, I was with my ex for nine years, married for four, um, and he was very much the submissive and I was very much the dominant. Um, I made all the decisions. So yeah. I'd say it's pretty similar. Like mothers just naturally fall into that role, especially when like we're taking care of a house, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're doing it all. And you're like, I don't know how I'm surviving some days. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So let's talk about some of the dangers. What are some dangers that um, you've encountered and things that you like now know to stay away from, whether it's like being safe, like, because you're meeting these people in person, right? Or are you doing a lot of it over the internet? So I've learned by trial and error, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, sugar babying, like really kind of set me up to understand where I needed to set my boundaries because a lot of these guys, when it came to the sugar baby lifestyle, like they don't, they don't give a shit about you. They just want to have sex with you. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like they want, they don't want a prostitute, but they want like a sugar baby. I don't know for a lot. Like, um, so I feel like sugar babying, like you're not necessarily just given money for sex. You're like treated to dinners and they usually like buy you present. Um, or they want to take like a first date. Yeah. And it definitely will lead into sex. Yeah. Um, Gotcha. And a lot of guys get into this concept of like, oh, I'm just going to buy you dinner and then give you money and then expect you to sleep with me. Mm. And for me, it's like sugar babying was more of like a a girlfriend experience. Like you wanted the girlfriend and you wanted to do everything with her, but you didn't want the responsibility of a relationship and to text and all of that. Yeah. So you want like the courtship and everything. Yeah. You want to feel like you care about each other and ask each other about each other's days. And, but then you want to move on after the end of the night and I want to call you in a couple weeks and do it again. Kind of. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, there's like on the sites too, like you have to be careful. A lot of people, there's a lot of scammers and they'll just send you like instant offers. Like this is the allowance I'll give you if you do this, this, and this. Um, but they won't call you or text you. 
Um, I've been stood up a bunch of times uh, saying like, uh, we call it a PPM, a price per meet. So -hmm. like I would set like a price per meet and we would meet somewhere. And I used to just like meet them and then have them pay. And then people just wouldn't show up. Mm -hmm. Or I had a guy once like meet me, we had dinner and then not pay me. Which is stupid on my part. <laughs> so, yeah. So now it's a bad I'm business like, decision. Yeah. I'm like, this is my price for me. If you can't pay it now, like that's that. I make yeah. them send me a picture holding up a certain amount of fingers. I require a couple like either FaceTime calls or um, I use Google Talk uh, to talk to them. And I usually set up kind of like a contract with clients, yes. especially with my dominatrix work now. Um, we do an initial meet. And I set the parameters on our agreement and I make it a month criteria and they can do payments over the month or one lump sum payment. And I literally write up a contract because I'm like, there's, I think I'm, it's smart. Sure. I'm sure it holds no actual legal standing because of what I'm doing, but yeah, it's better. yeah well, it's not, um, it's like not signed by like a witness or anything. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But that's smart. So how else do you keep yourself safe? Like when you meet up with people? Um, so I currently have a boyfriend and whenever I meet up with anyone, I always send them like, here's their, um, on seeking arrangement. This is their account. This is their phone number. This is the pictures of them. This is where I'm meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the time frame I'm with this person. So if I go over by 10 minutes, like you need to be coming and finding me, mm-hmm. I leave my, find my iPhone on, um, that's pretty much my protocol. As of now, I haven't had anything that's made me too concerned. Mm-hmm. I have been considering, depending on how it keeps going, kind of getting like a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. I think that would be smart, but I'm just not there yet. Yeah. Outsourcing. Yeah. <laughs> so then let's talk about your um, significant other for a second. Do you, yeah. so obviously like you have a job, but you guys are monogamous, right? Correct. So how do you draw that line, especially when you're having like sexual encounters with people, not necessarily having sex, but having sexual experiences? Um, my boyfriend is super supportive. Um, it's actually one of the refreshing things, leaving my divorce and finding him. Um, he's kind of like, this is your job. This is your work. Like, That's I know awesome. that you separate the two, um, especially him knowing that, like, I need the connection to really, like, have that kind of intimate relationship. Um, I don't, he's just super supportive. Uh, we open communicate about everything. I think that's really the key. Mm-hmm. It's like, I tell him everything I'm doing. And like, if I come home from an experience, like he leaves it up to me if I want to share how it went. And he's mm-hmm. kind of just like, I'm here in case like you're feeling a certain way or it didn't go well. You know, at first, like my first couple of experiences, there was like a lot of emotions. Yeah. I was new to it and I just wasn't sure how I was feeling about it. And it took me a while to get used to like degrading other people. Really? Like I can, I can be a total bitch, but I have to be set off. Like you have to trigger something in me. Yeah. So like degrading, like some of these men that I got really attached to, I like, I don't want to degrade you. Like, I think you're adorable. You're generally a good person. I don't want to call you a bitch. I don't want to yeah. call you a motherfucker. Yeah. I don't want to like step on your face. <laughs> yeah. So like, it was definitely a transition getting into like fully into my role. And like, I had to learn boundaries too around like clients. Like I can't, I can't get to know you too well. Cause then I'm going to like, not want to do this for you. <laughs> You're going to give a shit. Yeah. Interesting. So do you have any like personal stories or like things that we'll start? Mm, <laughs> let me start more 
specifically, because <laughs> I know you do have personal stories. What is something that you're like surprised that somebody asked you to do? Oh, okay. This one sticks out to me. It's not as crazy kinky as I like would normally share, but I had a, had a client for a couple months actually, who never wanted to come ever again in his life. And usually like I have, you know, just like, you know, you went whipped or beat or degraded. Um, but this, this guy just wanted, he never wanted to have an orgasm again in his life. He, um, so there's like, there's a difference. I guess I didn't explain silly. There's a difference between people who like, just want to be like submissive with the dominatrix. And there's people that kind of get into this thing. Like they want to be like slaves. Yes. But it's also like their lifestyle. Yes. Um, so this guy was very much like, this was his lifestyle. Like he hired me to kind of be his girlfriend, but every day, all day long, constantly texting, constant calling, telling him that he was worthless and that he should never have a boner or orgasm again in his life. Hmm. It was really hard to like, it's different when I'm hired by a client and I show up and I perform. It's another thing when yes. I was every single day, all day long doing this. It, it got to the point where it was a good client, but it became very exhausting and taxing on me that like we kind of had to end the relationship. Yeah. So it wasn't only like a ruined orgasm. It was just like, just not ejaculating in the slightest. Yeah. Like he didn't even want to have a boner. Wow. Okay. But since he'd been like built up for so long, it was like kind of very hard for him to not get boners. Yeah, of course. Um. It just became one of those things for me mentally. Like I couldn't work with him. Mm -hmm. Like my job is to like get you to that point and the teasing and the kinks and everything. Like I was like, what is my job now? Like I'm just supposed to tell you you're never allowed to come again every day, all day for months. Yeah. I feel like I would just kind of run out of things to say after a while. Yeah. He really tested me though. I think that's why it sticks out so much. Cause I was like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Like this isn't this isn't for me. I'm like, I'm clearly failing this client. And I remember coming to him. I do a thing called tea time with my clients. It's a time that we break our dynamic. And it's a time that like you can request if you have an actual concern or if I'm just getting to know you and I'm not really sure where your boundary is mm-hmm. because I work with a lot of new people. So like, I'll tell them like, I use, um, oh, what is my, I use fire hydrant for red mm-hmm. for their safe word. Um, so I tell them like, you know, are you going to use fire hydrant? Like, like it's a, it's a dynamic at first learning people. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, like we're going to call tea time. Cause I really need to know where your boundary actually is. Mm-hmm. Cause I can tell you're unsure about your boundary and my yeah. job is to respect your boundaries. But if you don't communicate them, then I like, we can't, this doesn't work. So I, I broke and did tea time with them. And I told him, I was just like, this isn't, this isn't going to work for me. Um, So, I mean, that's probably not the craziest, but like one of the strangest things that I've dealt with. Yeah. It seems like it would be exhausting after a while. Yeah. I was like, I'm not being paid enough. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Honestly. Um, So have you ever had somebody call a safe word on you? Um, I mean, yeah, I've had a couple newer clients call safe words. But it's so hard too because they they'll use a safe word and then I'll stop and then they'll be confused. Like safe word is a hard line. It's a respect. Yeah. Like we stop when we mm-hmm. hear that. 
And they were like, oh no, like I, I'm not sure. And I'm like, okay, then we use yellow, which I, yeah. I, I use mustard for yellow. I try to be weird and different. And like, yeah, so like they throw them out and I don't know if it's like a new thing that they're just not sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like, it's a weird game to play for a while. Hmm. Interesting. So they'll usually tell you, like, ask you why you didn't, why you yeah. halted. It's, it's confusing for me because I'm like, that's a safe word. But then I have to remind myself. When that happens, just like instill aftercare or what? Um, I stop and I check in. Okay. So I usually stop and I call it tea time and I'm like, okay, let's talk about what happened. Because mm-hmm. for me, like, I generally care about my clients and I want to know, like, what was going on. Yeah. Was it a fear? Did I actually hurt you? Did the boundary just go too far? Like, because mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like with the newer clients too, that they think like, I don't know if you can think back to like a first time you were like beat or something. Um, I remember like when I was first like spanked really hard that I was like, oh no, like too much. But then I realized, yeah. oh no, like I need to breathe and like sit through this for a little bit. Yeah. I feel like it was probably the, like the first time that I like was come drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Like, wait, I need a moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, the yeah, first time like, I passed out, I literally, like, sat up. I was like, were you guys here for that? Or was this just, like, because what happened? Yeah. Yeah, and you don't, like, sometimes it's, like, that weird phase of, like, you're not sure if, like, it was too much or if it was just something new. Right. And you could have clients calling um, fire hydrant or red when, like, it physically hurts or it could be, like, mentally too much, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a weird, it's, Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm glad that they've felt comfortable enough to say it because I know a lot of the times submissives don't want to say it because, you know, they don't want to let you down, which isn't, isn't, that's not what it's for, you know? Yeah. I think that talking back to the other client I was talking about too, I think that's the hard part I had with him is like the slave mentality is like, they try to like do whatever makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this isn't really the role. Like, you're supposed to listen to my, like what I order you to do. Yeah. My job is to make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause ultimately they're, they're the paying customer, you know? Yeah. yeah I bet that would be a really hard line to like figure out. Do you have anything that's happened that you were like, that you weren't sure that you were going to be into, but once it was asked and you performed, you actually liked it? Um, so cock cages were something very new for me. Okay. Uh, I had a client that wanted to wear one 24 seven and mailed me the key. You're going to have to um, explain it for some of my listeners that don't know what a cock cage is. So cock cages, um, it's a device that goes around the balls and penis and Mm -hmm. you can get them. I don't think they all lock. Maybe they do, but they make them in metal. And I think like silicone and leather. Mm-hmm. Um, the metal ones usually have like a locking mechanism on it. And what happens essentially is like when you get a boner, um, it's really tight and uncomfortable in a sense. Like it's mm-hmm. not supposed to injure you. There's very like very strict rules around like measuring yourself and getting the sizing right, or you mm-hmm. can hurt yourself. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like to restrict that, but it's also like a pleasurable thing. Yeah. Um, so I have a good amount of clients who like to do that because obviously like with the pandemic and everything too, we have to find other ways to right. <laughs> be able to do this since I, I will meet in person, but I'm limited on how much I meet in person because of everything. Mm-hmm. I try to keep it to a minimum. 
Um, so I try to be resourceful and like find all kinds of new fun ways to incorporate my work. Cock cages seem to be something super exciting. Um, mm-hmm. Ordering men to like, you know what? You're not only going to buy a cock cage and wear I'm going to make you buy a wand. And they're like, what do you mean? And I was like, a wand. And for 10 minutes each night for a week, you're going to hold that wand on your cock cage and see how it goes. Ooh. Yeah. Saucy. So it's, it's just, uh, that was new for me. And that was, it's been really fun. It's like a total learning experience. Yeah. Well, especially with the um, pandemic, like trying to figure out how like sex work is still going to happen um, and being really, really creative in that sense. Um, I can actually share a kind of odd story, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Tell me another story because I'm kind of living for these. Okay. Um, well, you did ask me about my dynamic with my boyfriend and we did have one, it's not a disagreement. I'd say, um, he had a little bit of different feelings than he normally does. So I had a new client, which happened to be my ex-husband. Really? <laughs> yeah. My ex-husband, um, Maybe it's unhealthy. I don't, whatever people want to call it. Um, I think he's having a hard time moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, so he started out by asking me if I would do photos for him. He'd pay for photos. So I did some photos for him. Um, and he's very into water sports. So he pays me a couple times a month to come pee on him. Fascinating. And there's like nothing, there's no buildup. Nope. Or is there a buildup? He's just like ready on the floor with a plastic sheet. Yep. I like come over to his place. Usually like we try to time it. Like when we're exchanging the kids, like we keep the kids (laughs) put them in front of the TV. Yeah. (laughs) Go somewhere else. And we go into the basement. He has it like set up. Like we arrange it and I just pee on him and I leave. Hmm. It's great money. (laughs) How, how was that? Because I know like I, I used to be very like shy when it came to like peeing, like not that I would care if anybody heard me or whatever, but like Mm -hmm. I couldn't pee on command. So how was that the first time that that happened? Um, It's actually like really hard. Um, So we, we experimented some with that when we were still together. Mm -hmm. Um, And let me tell you, it's so much harder when you're like stimulated and like, I mean, just think about how like, yes, I mean, for me anyway, going pee right after sex is always the hardest, like trying to relax your muscles. No, absolutely. Especially because like, you're very swollen down there too, yeah. after having sex. So it's hard for anything to get out from your urethra. Yeah. So actually peeing on him now is 10 times easier because like, there's like, there's no interaction between us. It's mm-hmm. literally like, I'm just going pee. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, this experience was odd for me though because like seeing my ex-husband like naked on the floor with a boner jerking off and me peeing on him was kind of like a strange like there's that connection thing yeah like, with my clients I don't have that yeah so it's, but like, you know him on an intimate level and you have yeah. history with him I can remember the first time I did it I like came home and I cried to my boyfriend and I was like I don't know what I'm doing like I don't know if I can do this like it just doesn't feel right yeah yeah. Uh, and my boyfriend surprised me. was like, you just got to make him a client in your head. Erase everything. Make him a client. Yeah. It's because you also have to me. think that like he might not be getting that from anybody else. And it might be something, it might be his yum. It might be like something that he really needs to like have that image, you know, and he yeah. might not be comfortable with anybody else doing it yet. Yeah, that's definitely it. Um, he is, I don't know how to explain it. He's definitely wants to explore his sexuality more too. And he's 
very conditioned um, and can't open his mind to it. Mm-hmm. So also like not only that aspect, but the fact of like, if you want things like water sports and different kinks, like you have to go to a different group of people. Like you can't just, you can't just like date a girl and just be like, Hey, pee on me. Like, yeah, gotta, exactly. Like, There's a build up to it too. <laughs> gotta, so I know he struggles with that. He struggles with dating in general. So like, it was, I felt more okay doing it because I was like, you know, I'm fulfilling this for you because you're in a very uncomfortable, vulnerable spot that you're not ready to open up. Uh, but it's also still so strange. Yeah. That's really, really fascinating. Do you have any other stories? Cause I'm honestly living for these. I just want to make oh. it into a TV show. <laughs> what stories? Let's see. Hmm. I think of what sticks out. So do you, where do these things like usually happen? Do you go over to their house, like clients' houses, or do you have like a, um, an apartment you go to or we usually just office hours? (laughs) (laughs) No office hours. We usually just do hotels or Airbnbs. I have a rule that I won't go to anyone's personal spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, I'm, I'm just leery about it. Um, Maybe once I have a bodyguard, I'd feel a little better. Yeah. Hotels, at least there's like cameras seeing me come in, seeing me come out. People know what room I'm going to be in. Airbnbs can be fun, but they're can most of the time be more expensive. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't really live in an area that has very nice Airbnbs. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's, I would love to have a dungeon one day. That's like the ultimate dream. Hell yeah. It's anybody's dream. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's like Dungeons and Dragons or like BDSM, it's like everybody's yeah. dream to have like their own space in their basement. <laughs> Um, I can't, I'm trying to think of other weird stories. Oh, uh, this is kind of strange. Um, I had a guy who was, wanted a girlfriend experience, but also liked the idea of like this being a lifestyle for him. Uh-huh. We met once, had dinner. It was, it was really good. Um, we connected really well. He, is it okay if I talk about pricing on here? Is that like a lot? Oh, hell yeah. Please tell me how oh. much dough you're getting. Cause this is really interesting. A thousand dollars for a month. Okay. Uh, only two meats and I could pick whatever meats I wanted to. Like I can make him take me shopping. I could make him take me to the grocery store or we could do like hotel stuff. Like, but he wanted no kinks, nothing sexual. Hmm. He like, it was almost kind of strange where like he, I, strange isn't the right word, but he just wanted a girlfriend. Yeah. Sense, but on his own terms. But I'm like, you know, you can have that in real life. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but, but was it the fact that like he knew that you're a dominatrix and it was like kind of like the un, like the forbidden fruit, you're not actually going to do it type of thing? Or was it I more think, so like the sugar baby side of like just wanting a compan- companion? I think it was like a mix of both. Like he wanted me dominating or like he wanted me to tell him what to do all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also like wanted to spoil me and take me on vacations and stuff. But the strangest thing is like, so we, we did almost a month together and then he ghosted me. Huh? He sent me a thousand dollars and ghosted me. Maybe he gets off on that. I literally. That's a really ethical way to do it though. Versus like having an actual girlfriend. Yeah. But it was strange. I was like, I didn't, I like, I was like, I didn't do anything for this guy really. And I literally, no lie, I was like Googling like obituaries, trying to see if like he had passed away. Yeah. I like, I, t- I got to the point where I was so concerned. I was like, did something happen to you? Like, 
where like what what is going on like who pays a thousand it disappears yeah he's in witness protection program now maybe we shouldn't talk about that (laughs) so I had a couple of um questions from my listeners one of them was how do you go about um setting guidelines and rules with new clients oh I don't necessarily have like a clean cut protocol for it just yet Mm -hmm. um Honestly, I work on like completely open communication. Mm-hmm. There is in the beginning of, and I, before I even actually make an arrangement, there is a lot of communication, phone calls, texting, to make sure we're both very clear on like what you want, what I want, um, where my boundaries lie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm straightforward though. I'm like, here are my hard no's. Here's kind of what I usually do with clients. Um, let me know if this fits your criteria. Um, they kind of, give me what they want. Um, and I tell them yes or no to things. And then, cause I don't like to give a standard price either. I base my pricing off of how much time do you need from me? What all do you mm-hmm. want? Am I experienced in this? Is it new for me? And I'm also super honest about like, Hey, like this is what you want. I'd love to try that, but I also need you to know this is new for me. Yeah. Um, I don't want anyone to get into a dynamic with me and like, I mean, especially if they're they're experienced and they're like, oh, you clearly don't know what you're doing. Right. It's always so awful to have like a bottom that's topping. Yes. (laughs) This isn't how it works. Yeah, exactly. It's so manipulative. (laughs) And I I don't feel that somebody who does it. Yeah. I don't feel right taking someone's money and not telling them up front, like this isn't something I have tons of experience with. Yeah, exactly. So being transparent, definitely. Yeah. The other question, which I think we already answered was how do you find clients, but they find you, right? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. On your website. Yeah. So do you ever have female clients? I have not had any. I'm very sad about it. Really? That's a, that's like a goal. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I think there's something very powerful too. And like, I feel like most of like the dominatrix thing is like, stereotypically men seeking it, which I'm all about in the toxic masculinity, but I think there'd be something so fun about being with a woman. Yes. Well, like women are just fun in general. So no, but no, but I think it's also due to the fact that the website I'm on is very like old school sexist. Like men have to message you. um, And it's only like really set up for like sugar babies to be girls. Mm Mm-hmm. And for like guys to find you. Okay. So do you know any other sugar babies that do your type of work? No, I don't. You don't? No. I didn't know I mean, if there was like this underground community. No. See, I that was what was so hard about starting into this. Like, because um, I was a sugar baby at first. And then when I switched to the dominatrix, I was like, I want someone to talk to. Like, I want someone I can meet up with coffee. Like, I wanted like a mentor. Because like I was new. Mm-hmm. And I knew there was a lot of like um, criticism around like people being new and not having experience and not having a mentor. And yeah. it was like, I want a mentor. You just didn't know I can't where to find, find a mentor. It's not like there's like bright, shiny ads on the street for dominatrix mentors. Mm-hmm. And then when I did look into some, um, they charge a lot of money for mentorships. And I was kind of like, okay, let me do this for a while and save up. And then maybe I'll do that. And then I was kind of like, I'm just kind of figuring out as I go. And that's kind of that. Yeah. Yeah, I do hear about a lot of people or especially doms having um, mentors and I've heard of them finding them at like Frolicon and stuff. Well, that's what sucks. I like, 
got big into this during the pandemic for the dominatrix portion of it. And it's like, there's, there's no events going on. There's no giant orgy hotel parties. Like, no, there's not, there's no secret clubs with back doors. Like there's (laughs) (laughs) that's sad. I'm sad about that is really sad. Um, so what's one of your favorite things to do with a client? Um, I like to dress them up. Okay, that's interesting. So when I have clients, I think it was like a self-esteem thing at first, like putting on like my latex and stuff was definitely like a thing for me to get in my role. But then it was fun for me to put my clients in that stuff. My favorite are puppy dog masks, like the little ears and the leather mask and a collar. Yeah. Um, And there's so many different, like I never realized how many different like outfits there were out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I require my clients to buy their own stuff. Of course. Uh, Yeah. It's not like you can write this off in your taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Plus I get weird about like hygiene and yeah, I'm like, Mm -hmm. you're just going to buy your own stuff. It's going to be fine. And usually I just have them ship it to me and like I keep stuff organized per client. Um, But I love to make them dress up. Super exciting. And then since I have a lot of clients who like this as lifestyle and they like to be degraded, I find it so fun to take men lingerie shopping and make them try it on okay yeah um one of my like I guess you call them punishments essentially um Mm -hmm. I make clients in the lifestyle scheme of things I make them wear like lingerie or fishnets under their suits when they go to work um that's amazing yeah because it's it's such a it's such a mind game is really what it is Mm -hmm. so Like no one at work needs to know. Cause like, I can remember them being like, what do you mean? I'm going to wear that to work. Like I have a, like a white, like I wear a suit to work and I'm like, yeah, it's going to be under your suit. No one's going to know. This is the point. Do you make them like send you pictures or like prove it? Oh yeah. I need, you're like, absolutely. With the newspaper and everything. I was like, if you can't show me it happened, it didn't happen. Pixar didn't happen. That's amazing. I love that. So I think that's a good segue into toxic masculinity, you know, because you are probably, you do have a lot of clients that probably do wear suits and they're like have white collars and stuff. So yeah. Do you want to talk about the toxic masculinity and how being a submissive is kind of steering away from that or allowing them to steer away from that? Steer away from being submissive? Or no, steering away, oh. submissive, being submissive is allowing them to steer away from toxic masculinity. Yeah. So I feel like we stereotypically put dominating people as men, mm-hmm. people that have to make a lot of decisions. Um, a lot of people in suit and ties who go to big offices and have those kinds of jobs. Um, they're forced to like be shamed if they're feminine or want to be bottoms or want to be submissives. And yeah. men don't even feel like it's an option. I'm also, I'm just speaking from experience too. So yeah, Um, I had a guy who his marriage was falling apart because he's like, my wife won't let me be submissive. I don't know what to do. Like I'm coming to you because I need help. Um, And it's, it's really sad to see. Um, Like, I think that's what steered me into this in the beginning too. Um, Like my ex-husband, Uh, He loves being pegged. And when we divorced and he was saying about like, I don't know what to do. Like, how am I going to find someone that's going to do this with me? And I was like, well, have you ever considered being with a guy? And the sheer disgust on his face 
Yeah. I was just like, it's so sad that you are so conditioned to think that that's not an option for you. Yeah. Heterosexual normality is a thing. And it's, we just identify with like what we saw growing up. Yeah. And his family's very, they're, they're conditioned that way too. And I just was always raised to just, you make whatever choices you make, like who you are, it's who you are. There's yeah. nothing that needs to define you. Um, so I just, I just hate it. I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. Where's that going? It's okay. Just saying that you hate it is good. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. I know it sucks. It shouldn't happen. No uh, man or woman should feel like they have to fit into a conditioned role of being submissive or dominating. You no, are whatever you, are, and you like whatever you like. And if you want to switch all the time, switch. If you don't, don't. If you want to be submissive, be submissive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Here, here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any closing remarks? Oh, geez. Or were they? Did you just say them? <laughs> I, I, I guess it's a good closing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah okay be submissive be dominant be a switch do whatever whatever the fuck makes you comfortable and fuck it or makes you uncomfortable and is like pushing boundaries in a fun consensual way there you go i'll leave leave with that whatever (laughs) makes you uncomfortable is where the growth is going to be yeah i love go to the uncomfortable areas thank you so much for talking with me (laughs) you're very welcome Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Nude Attitude, a podcast focusing on radical body acceptance and anti-slut shaming from a true hoe. If you want to interact with upcoming episodes, ask questions, or request topics, please find me on Instagram at the period nude period attitude and on Twitter at underscore nude underscore attitude and on my website, thenudeattitude.com. I'm Madeline Gregg. Hope you keep coming back for more.